According to Tom Rayner, the majority of Protestant churches in America average 10 or less salvations a year. Let's change the stat. Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast. Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you? Great. Awesome. Let me ask you a question. Okay. All right. So have you ever had the experience of inviting someone to church, an unchurched person to church? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can remember this one story. It's actually happened pretty recent. So for the past couple of years, my wife and I have gone down to this one rental shop to get all of our party supplies. And it's the same woman that owns it. And every time we'd go in there, she would break down crying about how her life is going. And, and we just kept inviting her, kept inviting her. And it took literally three years. And then two Sundays ago, she walked into the church and broke down crying and saw us and we almost broke down crying and she said wow. this is the place you go for hope isn't it and and, and, wow. and our world was just rocked but it took three years and sometimes that investment is totally worth it wow that's incredible so what did it feel like sitting beside her in that service did you see the service any differently oh definitely you look at it through a different lens so you look at it through her eyes through the pain that she's been through the loss that she suffered and and every element then and, and being working in the church, you know how things operate. And yeah. so you're like, oh, that needs to change. Oh, oh yeah. that's not happening again. <laughs> yeah. Those kinds of things happen, yeah. That's so good. Well, today's conversation is with Pastor Rich Birch. Mm. He is an amazing, amazing leader. Yes. He's an author of an, a couple of books, Unreasonable Churches is his first book. And then also he wrote uh, The Church Growth Flywheel, right. which is a fantastic book. We yep. took our staff through the masterclass, mm -hmm. uh, the entire staff, and, and that's transformed formed our church but his focus is really on the power of the invite yes and lots of people talk about it but you know pastor rich brings this uh, approach to the invite and he gives really really practical insights on to how to create the invite culture in your church and in today's conversation he's going to talk about eight specific ways that you can actually invite people and encourage your people as pastors mm -hmm. to invite. And so this is a very amazing conversation, very practical conversation, high energy conversation with Pastor Rich Birch. Let's go to that now. Well, hey, Rich, it's so good to see you. Welcome to GoCast. Oh, I'm super excited to be here, Pastor Kelly. I love what you're doing here. I love your church and, and just love the, just the amazing things that are happening. And so happy to be on the show today. Man, it's such an honor uh, to have this conversation. This is the first time that we've officially uh, met, and yet I feel like I know you because of your books, uh, your church flywheel course, which we'll we'll get to uh, in a minute in the conversation. But man, it's uh, so it's so good to be able to have add your voice to GoCast and to this conversation. Looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. But for our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry journey? Yeah, that's, well, first of all, honored to be here, honored that uh, that folks would listen in. That's super kind to you to speak nicely about uh, some stuff I've, I've done. But yeah, so been in ministry since kind of the mid-90s, um, and I really love the local church. Like, I'm a local church wonk. I could talk to local church leaders all day long, and yeah. so uh, this is like really supernatural to get a chance to connect, because I just love, uh, you know, you know con connecting and chatting with leaders. So I really have had three, uh, you know, church kind of the three churches have been where I've spent most of my time. I've been in that kind of executive pastor, second chair seat. That's primarily where I've sat. So I'm not a primary communicator, although love senior pastors and love uh, folks that have that kind of call in their life. I've really been in 
that secondary seat at three different churches, two in Canada and then one in the States. So I was in the Toronto area for a bunch of years um, at a church in that part of the world called the Meeting House, um, which some of your listeners may be familiar with. Uh, but a Great church, uh, yeah. It, it's a fantastic church. Bruxy Cavey's the, the lead pastor there. Uh, incredible, you know, church is doing amazing things. We, we were um, one of the first churches to go multi-site that we were aware of. And yep. this was kind of in the early 2000s. And uh, we, I was there when we went from one location to six or seven, and now they're 20 plus locations. Yeah, so good. Greater Toronto area. And then for a while, um, I was with uh, with Kerry Newhoff, with no doubt people that know him, uh, in Connexus Church, which is kind of central Ontario, so the north of Toronto. Uh, and then spent uh, about seven years or eight years, almost eight years, uh, in New Jersey. So the Manhattan-facing suburbs of New Jersey, the kind of north end of Jersey. I always joke that you know, we were trying to reach uh, Snooky and uh, and the Sopranos, and so yeah. <laughs> to that, and that's awesome. <laughs> was at a there by the name of Liquid Church. Uh, Tim Lucas, uh, lead pastor, incredible yep. church. Again, similar kind of journey started there when we were in one location. Uh, uh, left around the year about six, and uh, they continue to do locations, continue to uh, to grow. So. Love, uh, love ministry. Have had a chance to be a part of, you know, so just amazing ministries, and really find myself in that kind of supporting lead pastor's role. I really do, you know, that has felt like a call in my life, and so, uh, yeah. So that's kind of my that. That's really cool. And you're also the founder of Unseminary dot com, which is a great, great resource for pastors. Uh, love the name as well. So talk to us about why you felt it important to start Unseminary and and how you're currently helping pastors. Well, I think this actually connects really, I think, closely to GoCast and what, what we're trying to do here with this podcast. So when I, like for as long as I've been in ministry and actually back into like school, um, I remember asking professors this question that still in a lot of ways drives so much of what I do today. Uh, you know, I was really struck with this idea of revival and was struck with this idea of how do we see people come to know Jesus on a mass level? Like, you know, there's those statistics out there I had heard, which I, I think are still very true, unfortunately, that between 1990 and, and 2050, that the absolute attendance of, you know, church attendance will go in half, while the population growth will nearly double. Wow. And so I, that I was, have been struck by that. And, I, and, and so for a long time, I've been asking, thinking about the question of revival and like, how, how is, what happened in historic revivals? And I always find myself with two fairly unsatisfactory answers. One is, well, maybe God just loved those people more in that time and in that place. Like maybe there was like a special place where he just decided to kind of step down and do something amazing. And I, I, that's an unsatisfactory answer because I'm yeah. like, oh, that that feels like, well, I, does that mean God doesn't love modern day, you know, yeah. North America or you know, Canada or whatever, America? Um, or on the other end of the spectrum, there's the, this, you know, again, which is an unsatisfactory answer, is this idea of, well, those people at that point, those leaders had just kind of unlocked something. They had figured out kind of how to see people come to know Jesus. And that feels unsatisfactory because I don't think it's just, it's not just a series of kind of mechanical things that ultimately see tons of people come to know Christ. And so right, right. I, I've been thinking a lot about that. And over the years in ministry, one of the things I noticed was, there does seem to be a number of really practical things that hold churches back, that, that there's stuff that if we just did these things right, that they would make a difference. That the difference between kind of prevailing churches and stagnant churches, a lot of times it's not their mission, it's not, it's not their preaching, it's not their, you know, it's, it's not the stuff they teach in seminary, it's actually stuff they don't teach in seminary, it's communication and some of those things. And so 
Uh, we started on seminary. I started as a blog, just like, hey, just gathering some ideas, but it's grown into a podcast and courses and books and all kinds of other stuff. But it really is focused on that stuff they don't teach in seminary. So try to be painfully helpful, uh, try to, you know, be practical as possible and and ultimately, you know, help church leaders. But it all really, it's always been kind of pointing towards this idea of growth and impact. And, and ultimately, like we're talking about here, seeing people come to know Jesus, that's really what it's all about. Even though it's all in these kind of tactical areas, the heart behind it, the drive behind it is, hey, how, how do we make our churches more effective so we can see people come to know the Lord? And, and frankly, as as, you know, pedantic or as, you know, kind of practical, silly practical as possible. Like, I'm like, listen, if we can help people get better connect cards and those connect cards will see people take steps towards Jesus. I'm like, let's figure out how to do the best connect card possible or whatever the practical thing is. That is so good. I I don't want to hold people back on that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. I love that. I I love that so much. I, I, it reminds me of, I had a mentor way back when, uh, when I first started ministry, uh, pastor Jack Whitesell. I'm not sure if you know Jack, but he was, he was amazing. Yeah. He, he, uh, he mentored over 4,000 pastors. I think he had in his, his database when he, uh, when he passed away, but he said this to me and it was just very, very practical. He said, okay, if there's a farmer that has a field beside another farmer and one has a bumper crop and one doesn't, he says, is it God's blessing? Or is it the is it the skill set of of the farmers? And I was like, well, that's an obvious answer. And he goes, okay, so if there's a church in a community that is is booming and reaching, or there's a church in your area that is booming and reaching, something like that, is it God's blessing, like you're talking about, or is it, or is it there's something in the skill set? So I love that perspective, and uh, that that when when Jack said that to me, that transformed my thinking. I was like, okay, it's the little details; they they matter big, and if it helps us reach more people, let's do that. Which is Part of the reason with this this podcast as well is, hey, let's let's start, let's have the conversations, let's talk about some little details, and if we can just help one pastor uh, reach more people for Jesus, let's do it. So I love that. I love that passion, and uh, obviously, you have an amazing track record of getting results with the churches that you've been involved in, the ministries that you're doing with Unseminary, but also you you wrote uh, your latest book. Uh, I love it. Is the Church Growth Flywheel: Five Practical Systems to Drive Growth at Your Church. It's a very practical book for pastors uh, that's not not only written from your experience in 20 plus years of ministry, but you've also interviewed over 200 other church leaders who are seeing unusual results. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So that book uh, really came out of an impetus. Uh, Liquid Church was named as one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And people ask, they're like, why is that? And you know what it's like pastoring a church, like your church is growing. You're, you know, God's doing an amazing thing at my victory. And, you know, there's a little bit of, you just have your head down and you're just working, right? Like you're, uh, we're just making like Sunday is always coming. And so I I was struck when people started asking like, well, what is it that's, that's working? And so it was kind of a a step back reflection and say, okay, well, what is it that the Lord's used? Why, you know, what is it that we think? And then as in that same time, it's similar to you, I've been just really working hard to kind of learn from other church leaders. And so really combine those two together. And and I really do think that the five things we talk about in there um, are common among the fastest growing churches in the country. You see the the things that are talked about there are are, are, we're all doing. And and so it's trying to design it in a way that it says, hey, 
you know, if you're not doing these things, so like start here, do this stuff first. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, let's have the conversation. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's been, it's, I, I frankly, you know, writing is, is primarily a, a solitary endeavor. You know, you sit in a room somewhere and you try to pull stuff together, but I've been frankly humbled, you know, by the thousands of leaders that have read that book, but even more and churches like yours are, 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 is one of them, people who have actually put stuff into, you know, application and then, and then seen things happen. I'm like, Praise God, that's amazing. Like that just feels so great. And it's great to be a part of that. And I uh, love, love, you know, love hearing those stories as well. Yeah, there's so many really just detail, practical, you know, you can immediately apply principles in the book, which I, which I found fascinating and, and really loved. Also, your masterclass was, was brilliant. And, and we took our entire staff through the church flywheel uh, masterclass, watched it all together, and then had discussion about it. And it was fantastic. And it made immediate changes to some of our approaches and saw a, a incredible results. And there's a, a couple of things that stood out to me, and we'll talk about this in, in the book. We're pulling this in the, in the book and in the masterclass. But you, I love the emphasis that you put on the importance of the invite. So talk to us about the invite and the power of the invite and, and some practical little tidbits on how pastors can spark uh, the invite in their, their churches. All right. So uh, people who are listening are going to say, this is not rocket science. And they're going to be like, what? Like, that's it. Uh, but it really is true. The difference between growing churches and stagnant churches Growing churches have created the kind of culture where their people talk to their friends that invite their friends to come and be a part of it. And they, they, they don't just, it doesn't just happen magically. Like uh, what happens is the leaders in those churches have done a number, have done a number of things to really encourage inviting. And they, they really, uh, frankly, kind of push on people like, Hey, this is super important. They call people to the mission of inviting. Now, now, at, at a base level, that's like, of course, that's that's easy. Like, understand that. Go tell your people to invite their friends. But really, it, it is a it's a significant mindset shift. It's really a discipleship shift. I don't really get into this in the book, but as we've kind of watched it roll out in multiple churches, that one of the things that I've been struck by is, you know, humans, or, or maybe it's just me. You're a better Christian than me. I know my natural inclination is to just be worried about myself. And just to be worried about who I am, but I know the longer I, I journey with Jesus, that that He's trying to reorient me around other people. That He right. He's trying to reorient my heart around other people, and and actually, a kind of a fully formed life is one that's open and saying like, "Hey, what is God doing in other people's lives? I want not just what's God doing in my life." And there's that amazing thing that happens when we serve others. So really, to try to shift people's mindset from an insider mindset where we just think about ourselves to an outsider mindset, hey, what are we doing to try to encourage and invite uh, other people? So that, that's, you know, you don't have to buy the book. There it is. That's the whole book, basically. But really what we do is dive into lots of practical ways to do that. But ultimately, um, you know, the, the for leaders that are listening in today, if you're looking for your church to make a difference, the question I would ask you is, what are you doing to practically raise the, the kind of invitability culture at your church to raise the, hey, I want to, you know, be a part of this um, you know, this deal. And so, uh, that's it, such a good question to do that. We can talk about, there's lots of examples of that, but that's really the, the, the really the heart, the drive of the book or, or just, it's not really about the book. It's about, you know, churches that are growing. That is so good. And I, I attest to that is, I mean, it, it does sound simple, but you know, in practice and saying, okay, well, of course that's, what's going to work. But, but you also give a lot of really cool little ideas and, and how to increase the invitability 
in your church. And that, I mean, that really, when I took over the church here in Lethbridge eight years ago, that was my main focus. That was the main shift that we did. The first series I preached was was uh, out right out of the book of Acts. And I specifically focused on um, the, you know, in the message Bible, it uses the word, it replaces the word Gentiles with outsiders. And I was like, look at where their focus was. Their focus was on outsiders. Let's just get our eyes out. Let's, let's focus, let's invite. And we're going to create, you know, a culture where you can invite your, your friends. And that became our main focus and the church grew. It, 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 it worked. But then we, when we went through your class, and we went through uh, the book, the details in there. There's some really practical ideas that really work. And we're going, okay, we tweaked it again and said, let's tweak this. And, and again, it's increasing the invitability, which again is, is impacting growth. One of those little practical tidbits is you talked about uh, preaching and the power of preaching in series. So let's expand on that a little bit as one idea of how that impacts the invite. All right. So... First of all, uh, I I think so. I'm not a I'm not a preacher because what I'm about to say here is going to sound like wow if that guy's a preacher he's like really high on himself. I don't think that there's anything more important than what you do as a communicator on a Sunday at a church. Like, and and it's it's like if if we were a, a business, uh, if we were Starbucks, the the preaching would be the coffee. Like it, right. it is. It's so critical to what we do. It's We know that statistically. Two-thirds of the reason why people attend a church is preaching. And so if you're a pastor leading in today, we're going to get into some practical stuff here in a second, but if you're a pastor, pastor leading in today, you know, you in investing and orienting your life around how do I invest time, effort, and energy to make that part of what I do the most, the best I can bring to the table on that, uh, will see impact in, in your community. But so a part of what we talk about is, again, looking at growing churches, we see a general trend that growing churches are preaching in series. What they're doing is taking, you know, a, a concept and saying, we're going to talk about it over a number of weeks. So maybe over four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, however, what that looks like. We're, we're kind of packaging up what it is we're talking about and giving, um, you know, some context to that. Why that's important is, you know, we live in an information age. People are are inundated with information. And so a part of what we're doing is curating the Bible for them. We're curating the message into kind of bite-sized chunks so that they can understand it better. They can kind of piece it together better. But then the other part of it where it relates to inviting is people, it's like, uh, I, I like to call it the Netflix effect. You know, when you, have you ever found yourself watching uh, or, or logging in Netflix and then you're scrolling through Netflix and you just, you'd be like, I just spent 20 minutes scrolling through Netflix yeah. and I haven't actually started to watch anything. Why is that? Because our mind is wired to not just know what's on, but we want to know what else is on. And right. so when we, when we kind of piece together our series in a, in a, or our preaching in a series orientation, it gives us the opportunity to not only talk about what we're talking about now, but then to say, Hey, don't worry. We've got this next thing coming in three weeks or in two weeks. We've got this, you know, this next series coming, which uh, frankly becomes and each one of those. And one of the things that this is the part I'm glad you're zeroing in on this, because actually this part of the flywheel is the is the area that frankly, we're seeing churches get the best leverage out of. It's the highest leverage part of the flywheel, which is, in, is saying every time we start a new series, let's do a. Um, a bunch of things to kind of promote the series, but not really just promote the series, actually pr encourage our people 
to uh, to invite their friends. That ultimately, right. how do we use every one of those series as they turn over to say, hey, this is a great opportunity. Let me explain to you again that this is a chance. You know, I would joke internally um, at Liquid. You know, we would we would always say it became a little bit of an internal joke. I would always say, you know, the upcoming the upcoming series, man, it's just so special. It's it's going to be an amazing series. And there's the subtext is this current thing we're on. Yeah, it's not that interesting. Yeah. The next series, that's really the most important series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's some truth to that. You know, like we're we, we're kind of constantly projecting to the future and saying, hey, now this is another opportunity for you to invite your friends. And so we and and one of the things that um, when we when I looked at and we looked at what what do we think God's using is we went thirty series in a row. Or, or row so. Um, you know, three years in a row in doing the exact same thing, the exact same collection of kind of promotional things. Um, and we didn't, we didn't debate them. I found myself, we were always saying like, is this the time? Should we do invite cards for this one? Should we email people? Like we were spending a lot of time thinking about what we should do and actually not as much time on the actual kind of what, what we were doing. And wow. so what we did was we said, we're going to, we're not going to debate what we're doing. These are the eight things we're going to do. We're going to do every one of these, every series then the only thing we're thinking about is, okay, what is the invite card? What is the email that goes out on Thursday? What is the email that goes on Saturday? What are, you know, what does the trailer look like? What are their social shareables are we doing? That kind of thing. Uh, and what we found was uh, if churches will commit to that kind of regime, that leveraging every series as a chance to invite people, you don't see overnight. It's not like all of a sudden tons of people show up overnight. But what you see is a, is a, is a tre- your trend shifting towards, oh, people are now inviting their friends. Well, you can see uh, an increase in that. And, and it's frankly the kind of thing that every church can do. Yes. Um, it's, not, it's, not like, it's not rocket science to understand, and it's not, it's high, not highly technical. But it does take a commitment. The reason why it's called Flywheel is because it's not about a one-time thing. You've got to invest energy over time. But what we see is, wow, you'd be amazed what will happen you know, in a year, two years, three years. Um, you know, you'd be amazed, you know, to see that, you know, what, what could happen in, in your church over that time. That's so good. So you just touched on a, a number of the different elements of the, of the plan. So just walk us through for the pastor listening and saying, okay, so a series is coming up at your church. Walk us through the, the, the eight step plan that you have in launching a series. Absolutely. So, uh, so two things just to kind of philosophically or, or what we see, it's not really philosophically. It's what we see happening with guests so you know and I know that a guest makes a decision to come to church usually within hours of Sunday morning. So it's like they're making the decision, you know, maybe on the Saturday or maybe the Friday or maybe even Sunday morning, frankly. Right. So you'll, you'll notice that we ramp up a lot of communication that kind of starts, um, you know, a few weeks out and then it kind of ramps up in the last couple of days. Um, and that's because of that. We know that people are making those decisions. And, you know, this happened even with my my next door neighbor who started coming to our church this year or across the street neighbor, you know, we, we just happened to ask him on a Saturday and which was the day before. And, and he decided, yes, and he actually came. So a, a couple of the pieces to run through. So two weeks out, I think it's really important to do a, um, a kind of heads up announcement. Uh, we're noticing uh, now, how long are series at my victory? How long do you guys do series? Yeah, we do between four to six weeks. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty typical. Lots of times we see that. And so uh, at liquid, we typically did a four week series. And so we were finding, um, you know, two weeks out, we would do a heads up announcement during the Sunday morning. And so this would be an opportunity to say, hey, we just want you to know this is the next coming series, you know, love, sex and dating, everything you need to know from the Bible on whatever, or like, you know, ancient truth for today. What you know, and, and, and here's a series graphic that we're just giving people a heads up. Hey, it's coming. Right. Then a week before 
we would release the same thing on a Sunday morning. We would release the, maybe the trailer. So we would do like a video. Hey, here's, here's a 30 second video that kind of tells the story of the series. Uh, another you know, piece of the puzzle is we, um, which can be a little bit, actually, I don't think I articulate it clear enough in the course is this pastoral heart, this idea that, you know, a week before somebody, yourself, a campus pastor, an associate pastor, an executive pastor, they're not doing the sales job invite. They're doing the, hey, hey, can we just slow down for a second? I want to tell you why this next series is so critically important for our, our community. Mm. Like, you know, we know that like, well, the reason why we're doing this series is because, because we know, you know, like let's say it's a relationship series. We know that, you know, so many marriages, X number of marriages in our community, you know, or I was talking to a divorce lawyer this week who's like, I got more business than I know what to do with, you know, and that really struck me. Like, we've got to do something to try to turn marriages around. So the kind of pastoral heart, um, you know, in that last week, we really uh, kind of the week before, uh, and then you could kind of feel we're increasing the intensity the week before we like to do social shareables. So this would be, uh, you know, uh, various pieces on our, our social media channels that are not designed to advertise the series. This is an important distinction. They're mm-hmm. not designed to advertise the series. They're designed to be shared by your people with their friends. And so it's not just come to our series. It's like trying to explain the why, trying to explain the heart. Um, there were, you know, a number of emails. We, we uh, you know, people criticize me that I like email too much. I still think email is amazing. Uh, so it works. I, mean, I know you said that on the, you said that in the, in the course as well. And we kind of looked at each other we're like, really emails, they work. It, 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 it's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. I do feel like we're, I feel like I'm being vindicated because it's, it, it is like, I think we've come full circle back to email. It's true. Even in marketing circles, they're coming back to that. Like, you know, everybody loved, and I still love, so, and we were just talking about social shareables. I think Facebook's really important. I think, you know, Instagram is really important. I think, you know, Twitter is important to the president. Like, I, you know, I, you know, there are various, you know, social platforms that are important, but, but really email is critically important. So there's a couple emails. One uh, before we launch a series, you for sure want to do like a Thursday email. The reason why we do that is uh, because, and what that is, is you could maybe, maybe you're linking to like, here's some of those social shareables. Here's the video from the weekend. Here's a few words from the pastor, but that kind of thing. Yeah. Social shareables on that Thursday, because people are going to go into work on Friday. They're going to, they got one more shot at people at work. So you're trying to hit kind of that group. Right. Then we would do an email on Saturday. These I think best. And we talk about this in the course. I think the best thing for the Thursday or the Saturday emails are an underwritten, like not much to them email. Like, you know, and maybe it's from you, you know, Pastor Kelly, it's like, Hey, I'm super excited about the series we're starting tomorrow. Is there anyone that you're inviting today that I can pray about uh, that they'll come mm-hmm. and you'll, you know, you'll get a bunch of people will email you back on that. But what that does is it tweaks in people's brains. Oh yeah. I should be inviting. That's so good uh, to come. Then, then you also want to leverage, um, you know, this, we go back to the week before we want to leverage our groups and teams. So what are we doing on the you know weekend before? Again, I think it's really important to ramp, to use all of your leaders towards this. So, you know, I would say in the kids huddle the week before a series, it's like really important for the kids ministry person to say, I'm super excited that Pastor Kelly's got this series starting this upcoming weekend on insert, whatever we're talking about. You know, let's, let's do a quick, you know, we're all going to hand, I'm going to hand out a piece of paper. Let's write down who are the two people we're going to invite this week. I'm going to take these. And as a kids ministry team, we're going to pray for them this, you know, this coming week. So that gives, you know, gives you a sense of the kind of things, uh, you know, in that weekly rhythm. Now, the important thing, you know, you can also do mail, actually direct mail to people's homes. The, The important thing is that you pick more than you're doing now to promote a series. So if you do a couple of those, I would pick a few more. So five or six. Yeah. 
and and do them and don't stop thinking about uh, what are we going to do just we're going to do those for every series and do it for a year and then come back and say okay what's happening now what we're finding is churches that are committing to that are saying well this is working so then they're adding more to their mix they're saying well what if we added a few more what what would that do the theory there is you're trying to surround your your folks you're, you're you don't want to just send the message once you have to send it a bunch of times a bunch of different angles to try to get at people um, and again all of these are not um, the, the messaging in all of these are not, you should come to this series. That's not what you're saying. Right. The, all the messaging is invite your friends and family. You know, here's the reason why you should invite your friends and family to this. This isn't why you should come. The presumption is they're coming. The, the, you know, that we want to in, in, invite, you know, invite, invite, invite. You, you want to raise that culture to people. Um, yes. Yeah, so and I, th- I think that's, that's the secret sauce of, of the whole thing that I, I think we, we talk about advertising and we do advertising in social media and it's forget that it's social media, that it's about, about engaging a conversation and doing that. What I love about this plan is it's not about advertising the series. It's about, again, every four to six weeks, you're getting, you're reiterating in the heart of your people invite and reminding them to invite, and then you're giving them tools to invite. And, and that's, that's the secret sauce. That's what really works. If you can get people inviting, that's going to be more impactful than on somebody who's unchurched. If they get invited by a friend, then seeing the ad on social media. Yeah. And the reason, so the thing I noticed on this, when I looked at our own church is again, we just have like an honest moment here as pastors. There are series we do during the year where we're like, I don't know if this is going to be any good. Like, we're like, I, you <laughs> yeah. know, now maybe, maybe again, I know every series at my victory is incredible, uh, <laughs> yeah. but at least at our church, we're like, ah, I'm not sure. Now um, there are people who, who we believe again, pulling back to kind of a 10,000 foot view. It, we believe God's going to speak to them through that series. Now mm-hmm. we might think, I don't know who this is for. And we're maybe not that excited about it. It's just in our three-year teaching plan, it's come up, we've got to do this thing. But there's somebody in our church that that's like, for them, it's a really important message. And they think that it could be a really important message for their friends. And so what we want to do is is not miss that opportunity. I, what I was finding we were doing was on those series that were like, I don't know, uh, we wouldn't do the big promotional push. And then frankly, we wouldn't get a lot of people come. But when we just stuck to it, what we found is people would say, this is like God is speaking to me and we'd have like first time guests show up and be like, this is, a, this is like amazing. And yeah. it was like, for us, frankly, like, well, I don't know, like I, this was just, it just was, we just feel like it's just obedience. It's not that we're feeling particularly passionate about it. And so we're trying to, to, again, uh, that may not be your case. Maybe every series at your church is the most <laughs> yeah, no. series ever. Um, but you know, for, for us, I, I think there's something to just saying, let's get on the treadmill. Let's keep articulating the people, keep articulating the why, keep phrasing it as the, here is the, you know, here's what your friends will get out of it. Here's why your friends will really enjoy this. Here's why this is an important thing for them, that kind of thing. Right. Well, and you'll find each series is going to, is going to be strike the passion of different individuals in your church. So there's a different pocket of your church that will become ignited with the idea of that series. And they're passionate about that because that's speaking to where their life is. It might not touch the another part of the church, but you're activating by doing it consistently. And I think that's what you're saying is, is it's the consistency of this thing that's, it's going to make the biggest difference on the invite culture in, in the church. And so committing to it for a, at least a year is yeah, highly recommended. It's so good. Yeah. I joke, I joke in the book and on the course, I say, I was originally thinking about calling it a thousand days to a bigger church. And, um, which I was like that no one would buy that. No one wants to wait that long. Like I see stuff <laughs> online where they're like, you know, bigger church in 30 days or double your church by Christmas and all that stuff. And I, I feel 
you know, I understand why church leaders are taken in by that, but my experience has been that's just not the case. Like right. that there are there are there are sure there are unique moves of God that do that, right? There are those like for some, and, and and frankly, I've had those happen. We we were at the meeting house. We had a weekend where we had five hundred new people show up to our church, and they didn't leave. Like we literally, you look at the growth graph. It was like now looking back on that. I, to me, that was just a move of God. Like that there yeah. was, he decided, okay, we're going to move all these people into your church on one weekend and they're going to stick and stay. Um, that, that is not how it has normally worked over the 20 plus years of ministry. It has been a commitment to saying, Hey, we were going to stay in front of people's, you know, stay inviting, keep, keep in the game for sure. That's so good. Uh, it really, the importance of all of that is the repetitiveness doing that over and over again. Uh, so you also emphasize uh, strongly that taking advantage of big days in the church calendar, days like Easter and, and Christmas and Mother's Day, for example, uh, are really, really important for a church to do. So talk to us about some additional strategies that you do for the big day. Sure. So for a long time in my leadership, I, I had like a holier than thou, you know, uh, look down my nose at feeling superior uh, because I was like, listen, Every weekend at our church is the kind of weekend that a guest could show up. And every weekend, we're going to do every weekend as if an outsider is going to be there. And like, we're not doing camels at Christmas time. We're not doing, you know, Jesus is not going up into the clouds at our Easter service. Like we're not doing, and we're not doing Easter egg hunts. We're not doing any of that stuff. I kind of frankly looked down my nose at churches that did that stuff. But you know what? The longer I journeyed, uh, in leadership or the longer I've journeyed in leadership, I just realized that every church has this dynamic. There are three or four weekends every year that have a disproportionate number of guests and a disproportionate number of people. Right. There are just seasons that for one reason or another, people, two things happen. One, your people are more likely to invite their friends and two, your friends, uh, their friends are more likely to come. And so we, we would be silly to not do extra stuff around those weekends to make our services extra invitable and then to empower our people with more tools than we do at any other time during the year to help them come uh, and help them invite their friends. Right. And so, yeah, Christmas and Easter, those are the big ones. I would encourage church leaders that are listening in to just look at the last five years, 10 years data, and you'll see there are peaks throughout the year. And to look at those top four particularly as you know really important ones and so christmas and easter are are usually them a lot of churches it's mother's day now at liquid it wasn't mother's day for years one of our things we used to say all the time to people we'd say this ain't your mama's church and so (laughs) you know you would be amazed you know mothers don't come to a church (laughs) (laughs) um and so mother's day though a lot of churches that mother's day it is and and i think that's based on you know if your mom asks you to go to church you're going to go or the reverse of that if if you ask your mom to come, chances are starts going to come because everybody loves their moms. Now, yeah. father's not the same. Not sure what that is. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, uh, so it could be that, you know, at, at Connexus, um, you usually in the third or fourth spot, it's a little bit humbling. Uh, our third or fourth uh, weekend is that weekend in the fall where people get an extra hour sleep, um, which is a little humbling because you're <laughs> like, oh, like if people just get an extra hour sleep, they would come to church. Uh, that's, that's one of ours too. I, that's that. That's that's our fourth. Humbling, right? <laughs> uh, I wish I wish it wasn't bad. And then, usually, there's like one of the new year ones, or not a new year. So like yeah. either in January or like maybe in September, that kind of thing. And so 
our kind of our recommendation on the big days thing is to take all that stuff that we do at, you know, that for a series, you do all of that, but for one day, but then add some more on top of that. Like whether it's usually most of these days have a kind of broader, and as an example, most of these days have a broader kind of PR or public relations impact. So like, you know, the, the, your local newspaper or local websites are writing about what to do at Christmas time. You need to get in front of those people and, and get an article written by, by them. I had a, a good, uh, uh, a friend of mine, but then also a guy who's who's followed all this stuff. He's a church planter, you know, church of, um, you know, at the time they were they were like, their first year out. They were a couple months old, and they did a, a big Easter thing. And he literally just kind of followed, copy and pasted our our PR stuff and got out. They're in a community of about a half a million people, so a pretty big yeah, community, yeah. and lots of churches doing all kinds of great stuff. He literally copy and pasted our st- our kind of promotional stuff around PR, sent it out to uh, local newspapers and television and all this, and actually had two film crews, like like TV crews, broadcast live from his Easter stuff, wow. uh, as if this was like the biggest thing happening in his town uh, on Easter. Now that's great for his church, right? And and his his. Uh, Easter attendance that first year or the the year after that. So they had, I think that first year they had maybe 300 people at their Easter. Yeah. That next year they had 600. Last year they had 1,200. Like wow. it just has, has skyrocketed. And and frankly, a part of that has been the public relations thing because the one thing about the, the press is once you get coverage, it's a lot easier to get more coverage. That's true. And so now, now they, uh, they'll come back to that church and be like, Hey, are you doing that thing again? Like we'd love to cover it. And you know, and, and, and that. And so, again, that's one of the things we talk about in the big days piece. But but again, a lot there are probably church leaders that are listening in that are like, listen, I, I we're not we don't need to do something crazy on that day. And, and don't be like me. You're losing out on an opportunity. There are people who are just frankly more likely to come on that day. So what are we doing to so do two things? One, make a service that they're more likely to come to. And then two, make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to empower our people to invite them on those days. I love that. Uh, that's amazing to be able to focus on both those things and take advantage of the big days as well as doing regular uh, repetitive things as well. You also have some amazing advice and practical steps for pastors that they can use for follow-up and that greatly increases their effectiveness for retur- retaining the first-time guests. So give us some practical ideas that are going to help people to stick and stay. Well, you know, so this is going to get super granular for a second. We're going to dive deep into one particular ta- tactic. So I, I, I'm amazed at how many churches fumble the ball at the at the uh, at the new here guest moment. That mm. guests show up. You've done all kinds of stuff to get the guests there. You've done all this inviting. You've invite. You've spent, invested time, effort, energy, money in encouraging your people, and then a, someone actually shows up. And actually that transaction, what happens on that first Sunday, we then just totally fumble the ball. Mm. And so again, some best practices that we see from churches, um, and we talk more about this in the book, and there's other people out there who, who spend a lot of time working on this, but a couple best practices. One is there's a language issue. What do you call people who are, are new here? Um, I, my recommendation is you call them new here, not first time guests that we we, we, the reason why that is is because in a moment we're going to outline. Hey, we're asking our these people to do something, and when you whatever you describe that is, if you say first time, we know that a lot of first time people, like literally people who come to your church for the first time, are not going to do that stuff. They're going right. to wait until they're there 
you know, second or third time. Right, right. And so uh, by calling them new here, you're, you're really asking them to identify what, you know, are they, are they a new year person? We want to do a, uh, an exchange for information uh, where we have like an, a, again, this is a best practice we've seen in tons of churches, an exchange for contact information between uh, the church and uh, the, the individual. So uh, usually we're seeing this still best practice on this is like a printed card that's like in the seat in front of them or on the chair. And you're saying to, you're saying to people, hey, can you just fill out that contact information? And then we're going to exchange that card at a, ideally, again, another best practice, a new here kiosk in the lobby. So it's right. like go and this is a dedicated group of volunteers who they're going to take that contact information and then give the guest some sort of gift. Again, the gift is important. There's so many places here where churches can drop the ball. The gift is important. We need to think from the guest point of view, what's the kind of gift that they'd be willing to give up information. I, frankly, I, and you can test a couple things to kind of see. I'm like really um, partial to t-shirts. There's something about t-shirts in our culture where there's like a disproportionate value thing where like t-shirts uh, are worth more in people's minds than they cost to make. And so right. people think t-shirts are 20 or $30. They're maybe six, 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 seven dollars to make. And so they feel like a really big gift, but other churches are doing, you know, gift cards to Starbucks or Tim Hortons for our Canadian listeners, or, or they're doing, um, like a, a benevolent thing. Hey, we'll make a $10 clean water donation or, you know, that kind of thing. Again, you can test, you know, multiple things right. in that moment, but then the, the, where, where we see churches botching is they may do all of those things. They get the contact information and then they're like, they send one email mm. and they're like, thank you for visiting this weekend. Listen, we do not, there was a time where people would give us contact information without thinking about it. That is not the day we live in anymore. People are raising their hand when they give you contact information, they're raising their hand. And what they're saying is, please follow up with me. I want you to connect me to your church. That is what those people are doing. And so in the similar way that we've had kind of a bit of an obsessive, lots of way communicate communications with people, we want to do a like, we want to do that with new year guests. So I think, you know, best practice is, man, can someone call those people that Sunday afternoon and say, hey, thank you so much for coming. We want to have handwritten notes. We have volunteers write handwritten notes yeah. on Sunday. Hey, it was so, so great. The people who are at the New Year kiosk are writing a note. It was so great seeing you. We do, uh, we use a tool called Bonjuro, which is a video tool yeah. where our campus pastors shoot a quick video on Monday saying, hey, it was so great seeing you. I hope we see you this coming weekend. Click on this link. I would love to. This is another step. I would love to have a coffee with you. Can we set up an opportunity to get face to face? Then we'll have kind of a, a, a letter that'll get mailed on Monday or Tuesday. So that'll arrive Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, kind of be right before that next weekend. Then we'll do an email on Friday. We'll do another email on Saturday and then we'll get them into a couple month, you know, follow up process. That's all pointing towards, again, this is be the last best practice, some sort of regular uh, new here class or new here learning experience. And so um you know, kind of best practice on that is some version of Church of the Highlands growth track right. where you're doing kind of a monthly and lots of churches are doing different versions of that, but that kind of uh, idea. So yeah, we want to do it. We want to make a really big deal ab about that particular transaction. Now there's stuff you can do down the pike. You can work harder on getting them into groups. You can work harder on getting them into teams, but frankly, most churches are not taking that interaction or a lot of churches I interact with are not taking that interaction serious enough. And they want to jump to how do we make leaders? And I'm like, listen, you've got hundreds of first time guests that you're not even following up with. How are you like, you're not even trying to get them to come back on another weekend. Let's not talk about leaders yet. Let's get figure out the kind of 
for lack of a better word, the top end of the funnel, how do we move them just a little bit farther down? That is so good that it's really important for us to to understand that. I mean, I think there's a lot of us pastors who might be feeling like doing something as aggressive as that might feel like we're hounding them and that we're pushing them away instead of actually attracting them. But we have to remember that they've been bold enough to walk through our doors of the church that they're searching for something they're looking for something they want to know uh, about our church and they want to connect with us and what we really need to focus on is that next step what are they supposed to do next so if we can reach out to them in multiple ways of communication and make it clear to them what the next step is that's really going to help i remember uh reading about uh hillsong network and hillsong churches and they said, if you can engage and get 50% of, the, of, of people to respond in engagement in the first time guest to respond back to an email or get them to engage in a second conversation, if you can maintain 50% of that, your church will at minimum grow 7% a year is what they've dis- discovered. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, you know, most churches, the problem isn't over communication or, or saturation, which I think the fear that a lot of church leaders feel, they're like, ah, that feels like a lot. The problem is obscurity. People do not know what is going on. And, and, and we're nowhere near the priority that we need to be in people's lives. It's right. our job to raise that level to say, Hey, and, and then I, I, I think, frankly, um, if I can be so bold, if people aren't connecting to your church, one of the common things we hear, I've done a bunch of exit interviews over, over the years. And yeah. one of the common things you hear in those is, is when people leave a large church, I spend most of my time working in large churches. When people leave large churches, what they don't say is, you know what, I'm going to go across the town to the other large church with the lights and great band. That's not typically what they say. Right. What they say is I'm going to go to the church around the corner from my house the pastor happened to walk by last week and was like super nice to me and knew my name. And so I'm going to go there. Most of our churches, the problem is people come to them and we don't respond to them. We don't, we're, we don't take the initiative to try to get them connected. Um, if you can do that uh, again, you'll see, you'll see your church grow. And I love that, you know, 50%, you know, translating to 7% growth. That's, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really cool. And they've got some experience in, and getting those numbers, so <laughs> which is which is really good, man. This has been so good. Thank you so much, Rich, for doing this. I know there's you got the minds of of pastors spinning. So, uh, is there anything that I should have asked that I that I haven't? No, I, you know, I just maybe just a word of encouragement for folks that are listening in. I know that uh, leading in a local church is is hard. Like there are, you may not know this, but there's like a lot easier things to do in life than be pastor, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so. <laughs> You know, I know there are folks that are listening and I hope this hasn't made you feel like, oh gosh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I've got to do. What we're trying to do is come alongside you, give some practical tactics and be super clear on here are some things you could do. But at the end of the day, I, again, I love church leaders. I know that you are working to serve and love and care for your local community and, you know, stay plugged in, stay listening to GoCast. There's all kinds of great guests here who will give you all kinds of very practical help and inspiration, frankly, to stick at it because, you know, there can be a lot of Mondays that are super discouraging because you come back and it's like, oh gosh, I'm not sure yesterday was that fantastic. But you know what? Over time, you know, if you look at kind of incremental what God's doing, uh, you'd be amazed at what God can do in your church. So I, you know, I just want to thank the church leaders that are listening in for, for, for sticking in the game, for continuing to push forward uh, to continue to do what God's calling you to do. 
That's awesome. And I, I want to thank you so much for what you do as well. I, I know you've taken your experience as an executive pastor, but I really feel that your ministry, uh, your books, your blogs, your everything that you're doing is you're really becoming the executive pastor for for the churches who can't afford an executive pastor. You're you're focusing so on some of the details that are that some of the pastors us pastors we we miss and we need somebody who has eyes on like you have eyes on and you give us such practical insight into things that that i think really helps at that executive level works on those details and and really benefits so i highly recommend everyone to follow you on unseminary.com get your books uh it's an amazing amazing resource where else can our listeners connect with with you online well, you know what? I'd, I'd love to give your listeners the first three chapters of that book for free. So they don't even have to buy it if that's fine. Yeah. So what if you could, we'll just send them to growth, churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash gocast. So that's churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash gocast. They can go there and download the first three chapters of the book. So then they can see like, ah, I don't know. And to be honest, uh, the like, uh, there's enough in those first three chapters to get the ball rolling, uh, you know, to, to kind of, it documents a bunch of what we talked about today. So that, that should help them. Uh, take that first step. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time, Rich. This has been awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much. What an amazing conversation so with good. Rich Birch. I know a lot of our heads are spinning with all the information that we just heard. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it again. There's so much in here. Uh, what was your big takeaway? When he was talking about the difference maker being you, we don't just talk to our friends about church, but we actually desire for them to be a part of it and are willing to do whatever it takes to get them there. Kind of like the guys in the Bible that lowered their friend through the roof just to get them to Jesus. Right, it's like right, We right. need to do the same thing when inviting our friends to church. That's so good. So good. I, my big takeaway, it was uh, the idea, the eight you know steps that he talked about, mm -hmm. uh, but he didn't just talk about the eight steps and doing that once. He talked about the consistency of doing it and the importance of of doing it consistently over a long period of time. He right. said a minimum of a year, um, but he was encouraging lo longer than that to, to do it because the purpose of that whole idea of consistency is it creates the culture yeah. of invite and constantly as pastors, as leaders, talking about the invite, providing tools for the invite and really building uh, the whole culture around the invite. That's right. kind of a keystone habit that yeah. I think is is vital for church growth. Such amazing stuff. Well, that was so good. We've got so much more coming. We're excited mm -hmm. about how do people get into the conversation with GoCast and join uh, Go Team and be a part of what we're doing. Totally. Hit iTunes, go and look up GoCast, listen to all these episodes, rate and review them, and let us get this word out as quickly as possible. That is awesome. You can also find us on Instagram. We have a Facebook group as well. We'd love for you to join the conversation and help us move soul winning churches forward. Uh, next week, we have an amazing conversation with Pastor Larry Gregory mm. from Lehigh, Florida. And uh, let's go to a snippet from that conversation now. It's amazing, you know, what can happen where just a, a simple invitation. You look at like, um, you know, in the in the Bible where it talks about, uh, you know, Philip invited Nathaniel and Nathaniel came in and had a relationship with Christ. It's the same way. There's power and invitation. Right. Where you just invite somebody. Hey, man, Jesus loves you, man. He cares about you. Why don't you come check it, check out our, our service and you can hear something really can change your life. Wow. And it's amazing how people would just come. 
just for that's how I got saved. I got saved because somebody invited me. Can't wait for next week's episode. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, just a reminder to all of uh, those who listening to GoCast, watching GoCast, man, take advantage of of Rich's offer of three free chapters of his new book, The Church Growth Flywheel. It's highly, highly recommended, and I think it's going to really impact you. So if you go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash GoCast, you can get three free chapters there. Man, can't wait to see you next week in our conversation with Larry Gregory. Thank you so much for joining us, GoCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.